Have you ever been in a situation where the hair on the back of your neck stands up for no apparent reason? You should be safe, but something doesn't feel quite right. Ignoring your gut feeling, you shake it off only to regret it later. Because before you know it, it's too late. And you're gone without a trace. I'm Ben, and you're listening to Wicked and Grim, a true crime podcast. And I have whiskey today, so you don't get a k-chick, but no k-chick. no k-chick. And I'm I, drinking water. I clinkle, clinkle, clank. What, I, what? You're not making any noise. Well, that's what I'm trying to clink. Try and clink. I'd clink, clink the ice there. <laughs> I can't think of a word. Wow. I'd clink the ice, but I have stones in there, and they're just like and they don't move. Well, not unless I like make a lot of motion. I'm going to spill my whiskey, you know. Oh, well, we wouldn't want that, would we? No, because ice floats and it clinks easier, whereas stones are just sitting on the bottom. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I know. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Welcome to the show, guys. How's it going? What's new? What's shaking? What's happening? Yeah, the whole shebang. Yeah, we have a lot going on here. We do. Like what? Tell I us. I have no idea. <laughs> you have no ideas. We didn't discuss what we're going to discuss um, in the intro today. My day has literally been full of podcasting, research, sorry, and uh, killing mosquitoes. And oh, many of them had blood in them. So our tiny home probably looks like a slight crime scene right now. Probably. I cleaned up the blood, but you know, it's still there. It never actually goes away. Did you bleach it and everything? I didn't. Well, shit. And it's either my blood, Ripley's blood, Mika's blood, or Kiwi's blood. You know, if you mysteriously go, like, disappear tomorrow and CSI comes into our little tiny home, I am fucked. You are, because, like, there's probably at least three... Three to four splatters. Wow. Around. Wow. Yeah. So. Because we have a mosquito problem here. I don't know if other people have to deal with that shit, but it seriously sucks because it's like winter's gone. Oh my gosh. Like you can go outside, you can get fresh air and then like, boom. Just swarms of mosquitoes. Like really bad this year. Yeah. So. So yeah, that's, that's totally fun. That's what we're dealing with. But it doesn't usually last the whole summer. So. No, it doesn't, which is good. Yeah. But I wouldn't mind living somewhere that doesn't have mosquitoes, to be honest. That's true. Maybe one day. We'll see. One day. We were talking about doing some moving the other day, though it'll be a while before that occurs because, uh, I mean, we got jobs and we got life, the whole thing. So Mm -hmm. it'll be down the road, but. I do think one day we'll probably move though. Yeah. One day. One day. Um, I was going to say something. Oh, right. We gave out something just the other day on our Patreon. Someone (laughs) else got some socks. Well, yeah, we've done it two weeks in a row now. Um, the, the winner of this one was Sabrina who guessed what was, who guessed this case, right? Cause you gave him a hint for this case. Yeah. I thought the case, okay, literally every week I'm like, oh my gosh, this guess is going to be so hard and it's just not. Everyone, you guys are way too smart for us. Cause you get these hints like instantaneously. It's ridiculous. And it was on our Patreon. So I can like, if you're not on Patreon, it was, um, literally just a picture of a decal on the back of a. A truck, like the mm-hmm. rear window of a lake scene with a fish jumping out of it. 
And it's like one of those super low quality. Uh, yeah, I made it real like I picked by a the potato. lowest quality pick ever. And yeah. And Sabrina Randall got it like within it minutes. Ain't no again. Thing. Yeah. So she got some Jacko socks heading her way. Yeah, that's so cool. We're, we're, we're out of socks now, so we're going to have to order some more. Well, we were discussing before that we should actually do up a specific design for patron or like giveaways, right? Oh, yeah. So it's a big deal. Yeah. So you only can get this, um, this is our merch design by winning one of our giveaways. I love doing giveaways. So, yeah, yeah I think we should. Well, if you guys have a, a design request that we should do up for this giveaway specific merch, hit us up on Instagram or Facebook or Patreon, wherever. Just get a hold of us somehow and uh, we'll take take it into our account of art and figure it all out and, and see what we come up with. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So who do we have for new uh, patrons? Yeah. Speaking of Patreon. um, Let's see. I'm going to head over here. So we have a few people who signed up this week for Patreon. Uh, we have, and I'm going to, again, preface this. I am absolutely so sorry if I pronounced your name wrong. Although I did have someone, uh, Lindsay Valentine, who made sure she messaged us with proper pronunciation of her name. So thank you, Lindsay, on that one. She signed up for Patreon this week, along with Kristen Elise, Abby Fields, Sydney Rivas, R Rivas, I don't know. That's one of those ones that is just, there's always one that gets me. Uh, and Buck Broadhead, thank you very much for signing up for Patreon. You guys are incredible. Yeah, and that's awesome. The show, honestly, it, it keeps going because of our patrons. So thank you so much for your support. Oh, it definitely does. Yeah, it so does. Um, I actually should, okay, I wasn't going to do this. I'm winging something. Oh, but this could take a really long time. What's that? I was going to read our newest review. What's that newest review? Read it up. Read it. Read it. Yeah, up. but I have Do to it. find it first. So. Oh well, smooth. I don't have it open. Okay, well, we'll we'll cut this little piece out. Oh, I have it. it. Okay, what that, is it? I'm pretty fast. It doesn't take me that long. Yeah, you know? Fair enough. Good job. Good job. Okay, so it's from um, Josie, I think. It would be what her first name is. Uh, Kristen. Christine. I don't know. You're looking at it. Don't look at me. You Josie. tell me. Okay, I'm going with Josie Christine, and it's via Apple Podcasts. Obviously, I think that's obvious. Um, so it says top tier five stars. I'm very, very picky when it comes to true crime podcasts. Too many times the hosts are less focused on the victim and more focused on the person that committed the crime, but not Ben and Nicole. I love that they focus and try to make it more about the victim. Yes, there is background on the criminal, but they make it more about the victim and their story. I absolutely love listening to this podcast. I never miss an episode. Also, if you haven't already, join the Patreon. Damn. Thank Boom. you so much for that incredible review. That, that, like, shit like that makes our day, honestly. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I do check um, the reviews periodically and stuff. And, yeah, when there's one like that, it just, like, warms my heart. So thank yeah. you so much. Seriously. So thank any you. Anytime we get messages or comments or anything, like, it, it means the world. So thank you so much. Um, and, yeah, we definitely do try and... Uh, tell the the victim side as much as we can we do yeah sometimes it's it's very hard and it, sometimes there's cases that we we choose where it is the story of the killer well yeah the killer just like shit they do overshadows the victim completely yeah. and it's just like oh um, but when we can we definitely try and talk about the victims as much as we can so. yeah yeah okay are we ready i think we're ready okay and so if you didn't I dropped the hint, but if you don't know, today we're talking about the disappearance of Angela Marie Hammond. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. 
From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And I'm going to be referring to her as Angie because that is what she went by. Awesome. I know this case slightly. It's one of those ones that's been on my radar to research, and I'm like, this is going to be a good case. It is. You got to it before me, though. So, Oh, was it on your list? Sorry. Oh. Oh, yeah. Well, it's in our big book of cases. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, you snooze your lips. <laughs> I was going to apologize, but no. Um, it is interesting because a lot of your cases you do, like, they're not solved or whatever. At the end, you have, like, theories and stuff. Yep. And now I get to do one kind of like that. Awesome possum. Yeah, it's kind of interesting going through the theories in your head, but it also sucks because then it's, like, there's just, like, not the closure there for the families and yeah. stuff, which breaks my freaking heart. This, I am. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say this case, honestly, absolutely destroys me. Like, it just destroys me for that, so many reasons. Fair enough. Um, but I am curious to see what uh, your theory is, but I'm sure we'll get to that. We will get to that. All right. Let's buckle down and get into it. Let's hear it. Okay. So now, the particular incident of Angie's disappearance took place in Clinton, Missouri on April 4th, 1991. So we're going back a little ways, but not too far. Clinton is a relatively small town with a population at the time and now, so it hasn't really changed much, of around 9,000 people. It's the type of place where everyone knows each other and it has like the feeling of being isolated from the big city and the crime of a big city. Fair enough. Okay. I don't know. I kind of like small town feels. Um, we also have a very small Clinton in BC. We do, yeah. How, what's so. a, It's a bigger population than that. Though, oh, I think it's probably smaller. Is it? I would think. I don't know. Um, okay, so some details here. Angie was 20 at the time of her uh, disappearance, and she was known to be a very outgoing and popular young woman. She worked as a bank clerk and was taking classes at the Central Missouri State University. Did you just look it up? I did. It's way smaller than I thought. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's teeny. What's the... Like 641. <laughs> yeah. I'm clearly thinking of the wrong city, I think. You must be, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of little towns like that in BC. Though, there so. are tons, yeah. Um, so earlier that year in January, she became engaged to her boyfriend, Rob Schaefer, who was a high school star athlete who planned to have a career in the military. And a few details about Angie, because spoiler alert, this is still an act active case, meaning that Angie has yet to be found. So she was born on February 9th, 1971. She is 4'11". Oh, she's short. So she's very petite, petite woman. That's a nicer way of putting it, Ben. Sorry. <laughs> way There's to throw you under the bus. No eh? shit. Now I feel like a dick. <laughs> no, no. She's like not very tall. She's not very tall. She's petite. Uh, she's about like 120 pounds or so. Okay. So she's a Caucasian female with brown hair and brown eyes. She had a scar on her upper lip and she wore contacts. The real kicker, though is Angie was four months pregnant at the time of her oh, disappearance. Of course she was. Did you know that? I did not know that part, no. Like that's that just adds like a whole new level, right? Yeah, it does. So to go through her evening the night of April 4th, her and Rob spent the evening attending a family barbecue. The family barbecue was at Angie's mother's house. 
Once they left there, Angie was to drop Rob off. It was around 10 p.m. so he could watch his little brother until his mother arrived home. They, however, did plan to meet up afterwards to enjoy spending some more time together. But it's like, geez, like to be young, hey? Yeah, no kidding. Like if I dropped you off at 10, I'd be like, peace, I'm going home to bed. No, Yeah. <laughs> by 10 o'clock, it's like, I need to be sleeping by then. I got to work in the morning. Yeah. And here they were thinking about getting back like after 11. Like that's, wow. No, no, thanks. No. So in the meantime, Angie would meet up with her friend Kyla to catch up and they would hang out until about 11.15. At which time Angie stopped at a payphone to phone Rob and tell him she was feeling a little bit tired and was just going to go home for the rest of the night. So she wasn't up for getting together. Okay. The payphone she called Rob from was at the intersection of Jefferson and 2nd Street. It was located in the parking lot of a grocery store, and it was only seven blocks away from where Rob was at the time. Mm -hmm. They chatted for a while when Angie would notice an older model Ford, or sorry, older model green Ford pickup truck driving by slowly and circling the block around the payphone a few times. It was late, so there weren't a lot of people on the road at the time. And as I mentioned, they lived in a relatively small town, so it wasn't a truck or driver that she recognized. It had a very no a few very noticeable characteristics about it, including a decal, which we kind of already talked about. Mm -hmm. The one on the back window. Yep. And it was truck or sorry, a lake scene with a fish jumping out of the water. And I don't fault Rob for this, even in the least, because I do think you probably would would maybe do the same thing. But he went about easing Angie's mind, saying he probably wasn't from the area and was just like lost, right? Yeah. I mean, odds are it's not going to be a serial killer, you know? The odds are there, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, just like human nature, I don't think that you generally go around thinking that people are like, oh, to get you. Because generally they're not, right? Generally, unless you're... <laughs> Unless you listen to a lot of true crime, apparently. Exactly. Yeah, because we had that conversation the other day about how you're just concerned about everyone, oh. everything at all times now. I know. Well, I like went to this park thing that no one was at, but I had taken a wrong turn at one point and like up the road were like some people just like randomly camping. And so I was looking at this place for like a location and it was very small and I pretty much just like ran the whole time because I was like, if I run, no one will get me. Like, that's so weird. I should have just enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, that's that's odd. But honestly, like the, the life of being doing true crime and researching all this, even growing up on it, like unsolved mysteries like that shit, like it affects you for a long time. Oh, yeah. You even you played a clip of the dude from Unsolved Mysteries, just his voice. You're like, hey, do you recognize this voice? I know. Instantly. Yeah, I know that. That guy's epic. He is. <laughs> um. Okay, so next time the truck would end up pulling in beside where Angie was parked and proceeded to go about using the payphone next to the stall she was in. There was like two next to each other. After which he headed back to his truck, took out a flashlight and would go about acting as though he was looking for something within his truck. If Angie wasn't on edge before, at this point, she very much so was. And she goes about describing the truck and the man's appearance to Rob, which is like good for her. Like that's actually... Like, kind of smart. No kidding. I don't know if she was doing that for, like, a reason or just, like, Rob was curious or I don't know. So she described the man as kind of a dirty-looking 
as kind of dirty looking with a mustache, beard, glasses, and was wearing overalls. I think like I honestly think at this point, though, I would be like probably running for the fucking hills. Yeah, I would be terrified. Well, this is why I tell you that you need to be carrying a knife in your purse and stuff, right? Oh, this is why I always have a knife in my hip. I know I should. It would it would probably do me well. Um, It would just even just make you feel a little bit better. Maybe. Oh, yeah. But like, honestly, too, in all reality, at this point, she probably wasn't getting away either. Well, that's hard to say. If she can defend herself. I guess. Yeah. If she was in control and she decided when she was running, maybe, maybe she would have got to her vehicle. Um, So Rob gets Angie to ask the man if he needed to use the phone, thinking that maybe the other phone in the stall beside her was like broken or something, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But when Angie asks, the man responds, no, that he'll just try again in a minute. Ugh. Okay. Angie and Rob proceed to have their conversation. But just a few minutes later, Rob would hear Angie scream on the phone. And he'd hear the voice of the mysterious man saying, I didn't need to use the phone anyway. Shit. Oh, my God. Rob, only being about a two-minute drive away, immediately drops his phone and runs outside to drive over to where Angie was. And this is where the story gets absolutely gut-wrenching. This is fucking heartbreaking, this part. This part, I know. This is what made me want to research this case because this is... This is just like bullshit. This is probably like out of all the fucking true crime cases that I have ever heard, researched or anything, this is one moment that that gets me. It does. Like it's really fucked. So as he's driving towards the payphone, he actually passes An- Angie's abductor going the opposite direction. Angie had given him a fairly good description of the truck. And as they pass each other, Rob actually hears Angie scream out Robbie from inside the abductor's truck. Fuck. So Rob throws his car in reverse, makes a very sharp turn, and speeds after Angie and the truck. He followed the truck for approximately two miles before his car would Ran give out. No, it would give out. Oh, really? And so it apparently when Rob threw his car in reverse so abruptly to go after them or the sharp turn, one or the other, he unknowingly damaged his transmission, making his car basically undrivable. He blew his transmission and oh my God, that is brutal. Like in his panic, like, oh, I don't know. That's just where like, I, I don't even know. I, I mean, I, you hear people like talk on the phone sometimes and like the person gets on in an accident, like just these incidents that I just couldn't deal with something like this. No kidding. Did he get a license plate number? Do you know? Uh, he only had gotten like two letters, I think on there. Cause it was like really rusted. Mm. So he watched the truck carrying his fiance and future baby drive away to never be seen again. Wow. Oh my goodness. That hurts like on so many levels right there. I know I can barely deal with that to be honest. And yeah. yeah. And the worst part of it is, is like, you know, there, there's no way it's his fault in any way, shape or form, but you know, he's probably blaming himself for fucking up the car, right? Oh yeah. We'll talk about that. 
the poor guy. But like I say, there's no way it's oh, his fault. No, nothing. Fault. No, he was there. Yeah. Like he was there. That is just, oh gosh, a moment in life where you just have to feel like, I don't know, the powers that be just hate you <laughs> or something. I don't know. Yeah. Or I don't, I don't even know. So Rob was able to flag down a vehicle passing by to drive him to the police station to get help and relay his story to the police. But he put a lot of blame on himself. He always told Angie he'd be there to take care of her. So Unsolved Mysteries, like we mentioned, covered the case way back in February of 1992 with Rob and Angie's mother appearing on the show. And the mother said Rob tried and did everything he could. No one blamed him, but that Rob thought people did. This is a quote from Rob. He said, the beginning's the hardest because you know you were close enough to get him, but you just didn't get the job done. And you still wake at nights wondering where she's at, wondering what happened, wondering if anyone's still looking. You just wonder all the time. So like you can tell there that he just like feels terrible. Like he, he just yeah. blame himself. And, and I mean, I understand. I could, I could see where he's coming from. However, he wasn't close enough to get him. If he was close enough to get him, he would have got him. I mean, I mean, even if that didn't happen, the guy could still very much so have gotten away. Exactly. Totally. Right. It's definitely not his fault. Not in any way, no. shape or form. No. Like I say, if he was close enough, he would have got him. He would have made sure of that. Yeah. So a side note, did you know that Unsolved Mysteries is actually on Prime? Is it really? Yeah, there's like numerous seasons on there. So cool. Shit. I'm pretty sure I've seen all of them as a kid anyways. Well, there was new ones come out or something and a like new season came out and like, oh gosh, I'm going to get this wrong. I can't remember if it was like 2015 or 2020. Really? Yes, yeah, so you haven't, dude. There's oh, a new season. Oh, I Actually, I did see a couple of the new ones because there was a few cases that I, I either did research or wanted to research that I saw the episodes on. Oh, okay. Oops. I wonder if it's the same host. And I meant I to look that up. But that show is just dope. Like, that's literally why all millennials are obsessed with true crime. It's that. It's Goosebumps. It's <laughs> Ghostbusters. And Are You Afraid of the Dark? Which yeah. I don't know if that's a Canadian thing. I think it might be. Oh, maybe. Yeah. yeah. All of those things. Yeah. Okay. So the news of Angie's disappearance shocked the town of Clinton. An extensive air and land search involving the police and hundreds of cit citizens was launched in hopes of finding Ad Angie, the abductor, or the truck. But there was no sign. Damn. And one thing it was like, I feel, I didn't put this in here, but I felt like they um, kind of thought it might not be super hard because the truck was so, with the decal and stuff, was so dis distinguished, right? Like yeah, you think that you would be able to find that. Mm -hmm. So the Missouri State Highway Patrol assisted doing a computer search on all registered vehicles matching the truck description. And they ended up with 1,600 possibilities. But again, there was no success. The police based their investigation on Rob's testimony. But when no witnesses were found to validate his statement, Rob would become a suspect himself. Understandable. Which brings us to the suspects and possible theories into the case. Can I throw my theory out there before we get into them? Really? Yes. Yeah, let's do it. My theory is it's some fucked up farmer. Because people with acreage often have unregistered vehicles that they run around on their own property with. 
Mm. This being a rusted out license plate probably would have gotten pulled over by authorities at some point. So that license plate is probably old, not even registered anymore, long since gone. That is only running around on his personal property. For whatever reason, he decided he's going to go out one night, grab someone. Maybe he was even just drinking. In the moment, he just saw her and was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to do this. But for whatever reason, he's out with his personal truck where he shouldn't be. And he gets her, goes back to his property, doesn't leave the farm again with that truck. That truck is sitting somewhere on his property, either buried or in a mm -hmm. barn or something. And unfortunately, she never left his property either. Whether she's alive or buried as well is another thing. Oh, man. I at first wanted to be like, you'd probably almost hope that she wasn't alive, but I don't know. Depends. If she's alive, I can't imagine the horror she's going I, It's just probably a terrible life. Yeah. Okay. So, Rob, that's interesting. So, like, after I go through these, I'm curious to know if, like, you still think that, you know? Okay. Well, let's hear it. So Rob Schaefer, the fiance, suspect number one. I mean, it's always suspect number one, right? Yeah. Um, I'm not going to go into a ton of detail because it's not always the significant other people. It's just not, okay? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So a quote from Angie's mother on Unsolved Mysteries said, I think it was natural that people wondered, did the boyfriend do it? But my feeling, I've known the kid all his life, and I never doubted for a minute that he had anything to do with it. So right there, I just felt like that quote was super strong. And within a week, Rob was cleared of any involvement in Angie's disappearance. Angie's ex-boyfriend at one time was also a potential suspect. His name was Bill Barker. Apparently, a rumor was going around that the baby was actually Bill's and not Rob's. This was Denied by both Bill and Rob. There was, there wasn't, what was that? I think that was Kiwi. Okay, I just heard <laughs> a super weird noise. There wasn't any evidence to point to Bill. And he also passed a polygraph test. So he was cleared as a suspect. But there was also another suspicion that the two of them, Rob and Bill, were in on the abduction together. Wow, okay. I don't know. But like I said, they were both cleared as suspects. But a polygraph isn't 100%, though. It's not. No, I don't think it is. But I think even then, like in the 90s, I think they kind of relied on it a bit more than they do now. Oh, yeah. They definitely right? would have. Yeah. yeah. So now as the investigation continued, the police would connect Angie's abduction to two other unsolved cases at the time. These cases were within a 100-mile radius of Clinton. The first occurred near Max Creek, Missouri, on January 19th, 1991, so not even three months prior to Angie's abduction. 42-year-old Trudy Darby was working alone in a convenience store when she called her son around 10 p.m. saying there was a suspicious man lurking outside. She didn't want to travel through the parking lot alone to her vehicle, so she asked if he could come down and escort her. The son traveled the less than 10 minutes to his mom 
But when he arrived to the store, the store was empty and Trudy was nowhere to be found. Shit. Two days later, on January 21st, the body of Trudy would be found only 10 miles from the store on a riverbank. She had been raped and shot in the head twice. The store had been robbed $220. Wow, okay. Which I'm like, that's disgusting. No kidding. I'm sorry, but that's... I mean, no money is worth, like, the death of a person, but, like, that's No kidding. Well, I'm going to play the whole devil's advocacy here, though the the argument I'm arguing for kind of disgusts me that this is going to come out of my mouth. It wasn't just the money that was paid in penance. There was also the sexual assault. Oh, yeah. So it it was the sexual assault and the money that was valued at her life. Not that it's still equal value, not even fucking close. It's absolutely disgusting, but it's not just the money. You know what I mean? And who knows, like the the sexual assault might have been at like higher value to them than the money, right? Yeah, the money was probably just they grabbed it like in a quick whim sort of thing. Yeah, because I don't – as far as I know, they didn't like steal anything else and yeah. stuff. They could have stole probably other things yeah. from there. They were there for for her. Oh, disgusting. The other case they believed may have been connected was that of 30-year-old Cheryl Kenny. She was another convenience store worker 70 miles from Max Creek in Nevada, Missouri. It was the evening of November 27th, again, 1991, and Cheryl's time card shows that she clocked out for the night at 10 p.m. and the store was locked, but she never arrived home. Her car was found in the store parking lot. So from the time of locking up the convenience store to getting in her car, she seemed to simply vanish. She was a wife and mother to two and has not been seen since. Damn. Yeah. And there's no witness to that. Just gone. Hey. Yeah. Well, with that one, apparent, I didn't put it in here, but apparently there was like she was working with a janitor and they decided to close the store early just because it wasn't super busy and stuff. And so she sent the janitor home um, and there was one customer in the store at the time and so when the janitor left there was just this one person but then they said for Angie to or sorry not Angie what was her name sorry Cheryl to actually have locked up the store and everything like that person would have had to have left yeah but who knows if they had waited for her in the parking lot or something but then the janitor also said that it was just his car and Cheryl's car in the parking lot so Someone could have come. Yeah, to. more than likely. But it, well, it very much have, could have been someone who knowingly um, knew she was there alone. Those two incidents seem very similar to me. Yeah, they do. So Angie was abducted just one month later. So it's not far-fetched to think that these cases may be connected. It was feared a serial killer may be on the loose. And we have a few serial killers on the list of potential suspects. But first, while Angie and Cheryl Kenny's case remains unsolved, uh, Trudy Darby's killers did eventually get caught a few years later, and her case did get solved. So they were two men, Jesse Rush and Marvin Chaney, who were half-brothers. They were caught because Jesse ended up confiding in a few people. I think he was like 
probably bragging that he and Marvin were responsible for Trudy's murder. Most likely. These fucking skis bags end up getting all the confidence and wanting to showboat, right? Which is so disgusting. It is. Like, just, oh, just don't even, like, just go away. Just don't even. Just don't even. Don't mm-hmm. even. So one of these friends as, ended up contacting police, even though Jesse had threatened to kill her if she did. So good on her. No kidding. You were friends with an absolute piece of shit, but you slightly redeem yourself yeah. there. You have a moral compass. <laughs> the police ended up putting recording devices in the friend's room and were able to get a recorded confession from Jesse on the tape. After he was arrested, he confessed to detectives and continued to brag about it to inmates. Oh, fuck off. But then these inmates apparently went on to testify and stuff. Because they probably had ulterior motives or like, shit, if I testify then about this guy being a piece of shit, then I can maybe get less on my sentence. Yeah, time shaved off, yep. So his confession entailed that he and Marvin went into the store with the intention of robbing and abducting Trudy. After taking the money, they dragged Trudy out of the store, forced her into the trunk of the car, drove to a nearby barn where they raped and shot her in the head. They then went to dispose of her body in the river when they noticed she was still alive and shot her again. Wow. Yeah. But I want to point out something. They went where? To a barn? To a barn. <laughs> Just yeah. saying. You did actually say that. I was like, what's with the barn? <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. That was. That, but I don't that know if they live there, though. I don't know. No, but. But there you go. So Marvin claimed to never be involved, saying he was at home with his wife, who initially supported his alibi, but she later changed her story, stating she lied because she was afraid of Marvin. They were both sentenced to life in prison. The police believe that Marvin and Jesse were also responsible for Angie and Cheryl's disappearances. In a letter Jesse wrote to another inmate, it mentioned dumping the bodies of two other women in remote locations and said, I'm glad they don't know everything else we did or I'd be on death row. Well, that's clearly he's responsible for other people. Yeah. So, but as you know, the bodies of the two others have never been found, right? And if they did dump in river, it's, you're not going to find it, right? Rivers are notorious for getting rid of bodies. Yeah, they, yeah. So I personally believe that Jesse Marvin also committed the crime against Cheryl. I just feel like they're just too similar. That that was almost like their MO maybe going to like a convenience store where like a singular person was working like that. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I don't feel convinced they are also connected to Angie's case. I do wonder, though, why Jesse wouldn't blab about the others like he did with Trudy. Because it's t- sentencing. Well, why would he blab about one, though, to friends and stuff, but not the others? I don't know. Maybe he just hadn't got that far yet. Give him enough time and he probably would have. I guess if he gets away with it long enough. Because clearly in that letter, he was starting to already. Yeah. If he wasn't in prison at that time, he probably would have started. Probably. Give him another year. He probably would have been confessing to both of them, to his friends. And who knows what he would have said. Yeah. So now before I move on in regards to serial killers theory, there's one thing that I should note, which is the apparent sightings of Angie being reported to the police. One particular sighting being in Manitoba, Canada, 
in October of 1991. The individual who reported the sighting, his name was Russell Smith. He was from Manitoba, but he was visiting family in Missouri when he saw a missing persons poster for Angie. It striked a memory for him, and he claimed he saw a woman matching Angie's, Angie's description get inside a green pickup truck with a decal on the rear window in Manitoba, leaving a drugstore. A thorough search was done by the RCMP, including researching births, because at that time Angie would have had her baby, and abandoned babies, um, but nothing was found. Hmm. So I don't know. You hear that sometimes where people are seen, but I feel like everyone has someone that looks like them. Yeah. In there the is. world, right? And there's and, there's a lot of green, old green pickup trucks out there. Yeah. I I've seen a lot of decals with scenery on the back window of trucks around here in town where we live. We live in a small city. Yeah. So I'm sure there's other green pickup trucks with a similar type decal out there in the world. And it's also interesting because I just feel like a month, I think it was about a month had passed. So it's just like, can he actually remember, like what exactly he saw? Like I don't yeah. know, like in that kind of, in detail, you know. The mind plays some crazy tricks on individuals. When you're trying to think back, a lot of the time, yeah, it's your memory making it up again. You can't remember things exactly. Yeah. Like all your memories you have of your childhood, it's your memory making it up for you to revisit it. That's true. Yeah. And sometimes, and I mean, I, I even have had that. Sometimes you don't remember even like if it's something's a dream versus like reality or yeah. something. Like the mind plays weird shit games on you. Oh, it does. Weird shit games indeed. <laughs> That's a good English, isn't it? <laughs> That's very good English. <laughs> that is a very good English. Oh my gosh. Okay. So for the serial killers on the list, we have Kenneth McDuff, Tommy Sells, and Larry DeWayne Hall. They were all active in the state of Missouri at the time of Angie's disappearance, and they were all like not serving time at, at that particular moment. Through, though direct evidence isn't necessarily leading to these three individuals, they all had a resemblance to Angie's abductor, so what Angie had told Rob mm -hmm. that they looked like. Their victims were often young women, and they had more victims still undetermined by police. So Kenneth McDuff, his span of crimes was from October 6th, 1966 to March 1st, 1992. And his victim count was, it said, anywhere nine to 14 plus. Um, Kenneth has, has actually been on my list. I don't know if we have it written in our book, but a list to do a podcast on because he's the one also known as the broomstick killer. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. But with Kenneth, a lot of people believe it isn't him because he, when he was on like death row about to get um, executed, they figured he would have brought up because he brought up things like he was trying to not get executed. So they think that he would have brought up Angie. That's fair. Which okay. I think it totally makes sense. Yeah. If you're going to, if you're going to be playing your cards, you're going to play the ace up your sleeve, right? Absolutely. And that would definitely come up because I think that would buy you a lot of time. Yeah. So Tommy Sells, uh, his span of crimes was from 1980 to December uh, 1999. He was only convicted of one crime, but he had like 22 plus suspected. Holy shit. Yeah. Like all these people just getting away with shit. Just disgusting. We live in a world full I of I keep saying news. disgusting, but it's just like, it's just. That's what it is though. It, it really is. 
It so is. Because even that, I'm not going to go in a lot of detail about that Kenneth dude because we might do a podcast on him, but the brief shit I read about that, like he should have been in jail and he's not and he was doing bad sh- things. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Kenneth McDuff um, and Tommy Sell have both since been executed. So it's unlikely we'll know if Angie's fate was due to one of these men. As for Larry... Dwayne Hall. Well, he mentioned in an interview he had five girls buried in the Mark Twain forest. When asked which cities they were from, he replied with three from Springfield and two from small towns that he couldn't remember the names of. So it's suspected three of his victims were the Springfield Three, which is an unsolved missing persons case from June of 92 in Missouri. And the other two being Cheryl, Kenny, and Angie. Hmm. So that's a speculation. So the newest theory out there, and I think this theory was just like released in 2021 or something, like very recent. And this is the potential of a mistaken identity. So this one, this one's wild. Mistaken identity. Okay. You got my interest. Investigators are working on a theory that Angie was actually mistaken for another woman who was being targeted in the aftermath of her father's legal affairs. Oh, shit. So this man had had acted as an informant in a narcotics case and received a note threatening the life of his daughter, who was also named Angela. So the note was sent out on April 4th, 1991, the same evening Angie was abducted. Authorities believe that due to the similar names and appearances, the two women were mixed up and Angie was mistakenly abducted. Holy shit. Yeah, that seems extremely plausible. So this theory, I think, is still being like investigated. Yeah, that that seems very plausible. It does. I do still stand by my part of the theory that that truck came from an old farm. 100%. And, and sorry, the reason I say that is that rusted out license plate. Well, okay, do you remember my license plate at one point on my Civic? That's not rusted. It was just That was falling off. That was sun bleached and the label was peeling. Rusted means it's been sitting there for a long time not being replaced. And where I does guess. that happen? On private property. I never even thought about that, you know? I didn't even have the rusted thing written in there. It just came off out of my head. Well, it was rusted though, right? It was. Oh, okay. 100%. Yeah, but I didn't even have it written in here. Because you know as you're reading lots of shit, just... It flows back to you. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that, like that rusted license plate, that to me is a very big key. Yeah. That tells me where that truck has been and where it comes from. That says it's private property where no one sees it. It's been sitting for a long time. Because I do believe that it would be, that truck would be very easy to spot at a later time. Yeah. So. It's probably sitting on someone's back 40 right now. Yeah. Just covered up. So um, now also with just that last theory, um, it had been that note and stuff I think had been like in their documents or whatever. But as the case, the case does get re-looked at. This mm-hmm. like came up. So. I was like, that's wild. So to briefly recap the theories I went over, because I'm given a lot of information here. It's a bit, it's going to be a bit overwhelming. So we have Angie's fiance, Angie's ex-boyfriend, or the two of them as a team. We have Jesse Russ and Marvin Chani, who murdered Trudy Darby. 
We have serial killers Kenneth McDuff, Tommy Sells, or Larry D. Wayne Hall. We have the mistaken identity, um, or we have that it could have honestly just been a completely random attack, which you kind of had said. Or, and I'm throwing this one in here because, I mean, there were some sightings at some point. It could be that she's still, like, alive somewhere. Yeah. So. So I'm going to adapt my theory. (laughs) Okay, let's hear it. My theory is, yeah, of course, those brothers were responsible for more. Mm -hmm. They're not responsible for Angie, is it? Sorry. Angie, yeah. Angie. They're not responsible for Angie specifically, though. I think, yes, this note um, leads to a mistaken identity. They talk to someone available. They know someone who knows someone who's somebody out on a farm somewhere who's like, yeah, I can get it done for you for 10 grand, whatever. Hops in his truck that he knows isn't going to get identified. Through the grapevine, he knows where said Angie is going to be. And through the grapevine, said Angie is the wrong Angie. He goes, picks her up, heads back to his farm where the truck is now disposed of. And Angie is unfortunately disposed of as well. Isn't that just devastating though, hey? That it was the wrong person? That is. That's, I mean, wrong or right person. I mean, even if, yeah, even if that was the right Angie, like terrible because, I mean, but it, Oh, like she really did nothing. I mean, the other Angie, I guess her father did something, which doesn't help her at all. But mm-hmm. so what's your theory? Oh, man. Um, OK, I I actually yeah, I don't think that the brothers did Angie's. I do think this theory of this mistaken identity identity makes a lot of sense. But then I also really think the Larry Dwayne Hall serial killer thing Mm. makes a lot of sense too yeah it does to me just how he said there was like five victims they're all from missouri the three of them are that the springfield three and then the other two are these other two that didn't i don't know it just makes sense to me but you'd never know who those other two are right well angie and cheryl i know it could be yeah but it also could be others yeah it totally could be others so Okay, so there you have it. Angie has been missing for 30 years now. And though there may be possibilities, there sure aren't any confirmed answers into her abduction. And I'll close the podcast with, once again, the description of Angie, being that this is still an ongoing thing. A drawing was done in 2013 of what Angie may look like at the age of 43. So I'll post that on our Instagram and Facebook Angela Hamlin is described as a petite Caucasian female. She's 4'11", and at the time of her abduction, weighed 120 pounds. She has brown curly hair and brown eyes and a scar on her upper lip. If you have any information about Angie, you're asked to contact the police. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, I really hope that she is still out there, and I really do hope that she's found yeah and even i hate to say it 
But I do hope at the very least her remains are found. I know. I mean, it would give the family closure. There is a Facebook page actually um, that I was on. It's called Angela Marie Hammond. Or maybe it's just hers. I don't know. But anyway, there's like updates on there. It wouldn't be hers if it's from 91. Yeah, it wouldn't be. So, okay, so it's just someone has made it. And, yeah, they put updates on there. Like, they've put this newest one. And it's still active. Like, the last post was April. Oh, that's not super active, I guess. April 29th, 2021. But, um, yeah. So, oh. I mean, the fam, like, because that's the thing. Like, they're not losing hope and stuff. It's just. Yeah. I mean, if she was alive or found or if she had died and they knew about it, she'd still always be on their mind. But in a little bit of a different way, there'd be some closure, I suppose. Yeah. One way or another, this is an absolutely heartbreaking case. I can't imagine the idea of passing oh. the vehicle. That's the thing that gets me. That, that's got to be one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever yeah. heard in, in true crime. Honestly. That is, it's just, it would just haunt yeah. you. Like we've heard disgusting things. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But that is like, that's. That is just like, it would just wake you up in the middle of the night nightmare. Yeah. Like you'd hear the scream that she was said of your voice. Yeah. Well, like you your said. Your name, sorry. And like you said at the very uh, intro of this, it, that's hair standing on the back of your neck. Yeah. So anyway, um, let us know what you think. We always loved <laughs> to hear what your guys' theories and what you think happened. So yeah, let us know. We'd love to hear it. You can shoot us a message or a comment or whatever, whether it's email or website or Instagram or Facebook or Patreon, or we have... Um, Twitter, which I still need to learn how to use. Yeah. Have we been updating on Twitter? I've actually been meaning to ask you that. And I'm just asking you that on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't really been updating. I haven't been on there for like a week. I least. know I haven't. I haven't um, gone on there at all. So. And also as of today, uh, we officially have a Reddit account. I mean, we're on Reddit looking at cases once in a while. So I figured, you know what? Might as well get an account. Right on. So, yeah. There you go. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. And as always. Stay wicked.